This is Democracy Manifest. Hello everyone and welcome to Spilling the Tea with Diana. So with me today I have Houston, is this like properly? Okay, yeah. So with me today I have Houston and Max. Um, and we're going to be doing a little fun council rundown. So hi guys, why don't you introduce yourselves? G'day, I'm Hugh. I was a together proxy for the meeting. And I'm Max, and uh, I'm a newly elected uh, Climate Justice Party representative, merger into Rebuild. I'm a Rebuild representative. Congratulations on that, by the way. So how did you find your first council? Um, I found it, um, I found it very... Very shit, actually. Really? Yeah. I was situated next to um, this small group of people. They call themselves Socialist Alternative. Oh, God. I'm not sure you've heard of them, but um, they make quite a ruckus in council meetings. Yeah, no, I've heard of them, definitely. Um, you know, we all have our faults. It's good to be compassionate, though. They're just a bit, like... <laughs> no, no, let's not speak badly about Yes, we're not going to speak. We're not going to speak badly about anyone. So, Houston, how did you find last council? It was a rather more volatile than what you'd usually expect. There was a bit more, a little bit more screaming um, than normal. But on the whole, it wasn't wasn't too bad. I we had some um, a few, a couple of new faces, which were quite shocked at some of the. Um, some of the things that were said by a variety of people. Um, I do think it's something that we can look for in future for improvements regarding just reducing bullying at council and reducing also noise. I think that's two real vehicles that we can mobilize to really make our councils more uh, suitable for everyday students that really want to be involved. Yeah, I definitely agree. Cause I was like sitting in the audience cause obviously I'm not on council. I just come for the drama. Um, and <laughs> honestly, I was actually shocked. It was like too dramatic for me. I was sitting there flabbergasted and it wasn't just me. Like everyone sitting around, their mouths were like wide open, just like listening to everything. And you got in some drama as well. I did get yeah. into some drama. Well, you see, I was just trying to push through a progressive piece of policy in, in UQ Union Council. I wanted, uh, I wanted, uh, working rights for international students. I wanted unionism for international students and I wanted the UQ union to be an advocate for them and being paid $13 an hour and being paid well below award, award rate. And I stood up and I announced a plan that was uh, endorsed and written essentially by Chanel Jiang. I seconded it, I spoke on the matter and Socialist Alternative, they weren't happy enough. I was pushing forward progressive policy yeah. But frankly, even then, they think it's not good enough. Um, so yeah, I was quite upset with the way um, Salt dealt with the matter and, and the way that they thought it wasn't good enough, even though it was a step in their direction. Um, and I don't understand why they despise me so much. Um, you know, I actually do agree with you on that. And it really makes you wonder, do they really want progressive change or do they just want something to be angry about? Um, because that's kind of what it can appear like. Um, Houston, what are your thoughts on what Max just said? 
which part specifically? I'm 100% in favour of the motion that was put forward, and that's why it basically got unanimous support. International students Damn are far too frequently taken advantage of in Australia through mechanisms of ridiculous rental prices for international accommodation, as well as being paid below award rates with cash only. I do think that it's definitely an issue, and I was very glad that Chanel and Max were able to put this through at the council meeting. Um, particular relevant to um, student action or what they were putting forward. Um, they, I guess, had counter arguments and wanted to go further one direction, but I guess they disagreed um, and the motion ended up being put as was written by Chanel. Work, yeah, extremely. I agree completely. Um, so, what else do you think was like a really standout moment in council that should be spoken about, Max? Um, at the last meeting. Yeah. Oh, we went in camera, didn't we? Am I allowed to speak about that? No, you're no. not allowed to speak about that. <laughs> Literally, no. Oh, uh, well, there was quite some fascinating details in this in this document that I had numbered in front of me. Um, but you're talking about the in-camera stuff. <laughs> oh, <laughs> stop! No! I'm, I'm making it up! This is not in-camera Don't stuff! Don't get my new podcast banned before it's even started. What's wrong with you, I'm Max? not releasing confidential information Sure, here. okay. Um... Alright, let's speak about the drama on your side of the team where you actually have to leave the room for a bit. So what happened there? Okay, so I believe it was a particular motion um, requesting for the, for the freedom of all refugees in um, camps here in Australia. Yeah. Was that the motion that you're referring yes, to? Yes, the Is dramatic... That- the dramatic motion. Well, well, anyway... The motion was more specifically towards giving all refugees citizenship rights. That was the, the real thrust of the motion, I believe. That's how I heard it. I haven't actually had a chance to read it. I only heard it on the spot. The minutes haven't been released for the meeting just yet, but it was definitely to do with giving citizenship rights to all refugees. Wait, they haven't been released yet? No, they get released at the next council meeting. Ah, oh, okay. Back. I'm literally so stupid. Well you, well, you see, um, I don't know if it was either before or after that motion. I don't know when. But um, I had a very... Uh, big motion to speak on, Chanel Jiang's motion, which was um, the most significant motion, I think, that was passed all that night. And uh, it was just frustrations around that and and time that I wanted to focus out of that that I thought I needed to step out of the, of the room and take a toilet break. Uh, and yeah, that's see, totally what happened. The now. only opportunity to take that toilet break was during that particular motion, which I knew would pass unanimously. Mm-hmm. unanimously. I had faith that my party and other parties would have enough support that uh, my support would not be required. I believe the motion did pass 11 to 10. Well, they clearly didn't need my contribution. Max, you are so funny. Like, holy <laughs> shit. Um, okay, so why were they all gathered around you then, trying to get you to vote for it? Why was there such a commotion? Well, you see, if I did vote on the matter, I would have abstained. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so I guess that was the commotion, that I wasn't um, voting in line with with the rest of my party. Okay, do you think though that Rebuild somewhat has an issue with like regional voices and representing them in their opinions? Um, I, I, I don't think so at all. Okay. I don't think so at all. Um, Rebuild's definitely the voice for all. Uh, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't see where, I don't even see where you, you got that assumption from. Um, it's not an assumption. Like literally <laughs> you go work, amazing. Um, no, I don't know. That's a question. Oh, just a question. That's the question. Just yeah. a question. No, Rebuild's a great advocate for the regions. Um, very much supportive of those coming from backgrounds in the regions and rural Australia. I mean, yeah. What else is there to say on the matter? <laughs> they support me 100%. And um, 
I'm always advocating for the region. So, so what policies have Rebuild implemented to a bit to, I guess, meet the needs of those relocating from rural and regional areas into Brisbane to study at UQ? Well, you see, for those relocating from such areas, there's already there's already something, um, particularly people that come from a lower income background, called the Rural Regional Relocation Scholarship, and that's administered by Centrelink. So. What Rebuild does and what Student Advocacy and Support does is if you aren't already connected with those funds and uh, viable means to get connected with those funds, which is a $4,500 scholarship first year uh, plus half of that in your second and third year, uh, the Student Advocacy and Support steps in and helps you obtain that scholarship. So essentially, Rebuild has put forward policies that can help rural and regional uh, students coming from financially hard backgrounds uh, to obtain upwards of eight thousand or more dollars. Yeah, I totally understand that. Um, in terms of in way of what Rebuild has specifically done, because I understand there's definite value in developing better linkages between students and Centrelink benefits, which a lot of people from rural and regional areas uh, are not entirely aware of when they do relocate. At least that's my my experience having someone from rural Northern Territory. <clears throat> um, but I do think that. Uh, is there any more that can be done in that sense of developing uh, stronger linkages between, I guess, government um, benefit schemes and uh, rural and regional students? Well, you see, um, the, the $9,000 in total that can be obtained through Centrelink is quite... Uh, I think it, 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 it covers a lot for a lot of the support things required for students relocating from those areas. And students from a higher economical background relocating from those areas often end up in, in the college system and are looked through... Uh, looked after by an independent system, independent of, of the union. So I, I think I think I truly believe that Rebuild does enough in, in the way that it helps those who need to connect with government services connect. I mean, it can't just spout out a disproportionate amount of money on regional students and not spend it on metropolitan students and things like that. It's everyone deserves an equal share of the pie and that's a philosophy that Rebuild certainly abides by. Everyone deserves financial equality and and th that's what Rebuild strives for and that's what we fight for and that's why we help the students obtain the $9,000 but what we do uh, in addition to that is is not so much more. We don't, we don't grab an extra fiscal pool of money and, and dedicate it on those students because frankly that would be taking money out of other services to help advocate for other causes which might affect not only regional students but other students in other areas like um, the um, period and poverty and period on, I mean, uh, poverty on placement and all those sort of um, feminism schemes and um, all other, other schemes that help students going through um, tough times. Yeah, I think that's very valuable. And I have, I guess, a few friends from rural and regional areas. Um, but I do think there is, I can understand, like, obviously there's support given through linkages through developing better relationships with Centrelink to be able to receive such funding. But it does seem that those that don't go through that college system, that those that don't have that like financial background or financial capability to really go through that college system do uh, sometimes be relocating to a completely different city from a rural area, often very, very different to where they grew up and not really knowing anyone here. Is there any way that union can, I guess, help those students? Is there any real yeah, policy that you yeah, can Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's lots of policy that's currently in place to actually help students of that need. And it's also because being isolated is not just something faced by regional and rural students moving to metropolitan areas. In fact, what I find is a lot of regional and rural students are more outspoken and 
find it easier to connect and make friends than a lot of metropolitan people, even though metropolitan people have grew around people their whole lives. And I and and as a result, in general, Rebuild has put things forward such as more speed friending activities on campus, uh, more you know social engagement activities and um, advertising clubs and collectives that could be relevant to different cultural and um, backgrounds and all those sorts of different things. So that's what Rebuild has put forward for the students. We also had the Unfair Fair, which was a real great day for everyone of all backgrounds and all classes to engage in um, in social games and rides and discuss why uni life is so unfair and what Rebuild and the UQ Union can do for you to advocate on your behalf. So uni life is currently unfair? Uni life can be unfair, okay. but engaging with your student union can help unravel those problems and can resolve them. Because we have a lot of services out there, but it's one thing to have a lot of services, but it's another thing to get students engaged in those services. Of course. And the unfair fair was a way of us promoting those services to students so students know how accessible they are and so that they reach out to engage in those services. We even had additional services at the unfair fair, such as Headspace, which came into the mix, which we don't currently have a Headspace on campus, but having it at the unfair fair, we were able to see the traction towards Headspace and we were able to measure whether implementing some sort of uh, Headspace independent counselling system on campus would be viable going forward and the students would want that. And <clears throat> what we did see, frankly, is that perhaps students do want to see that. Perhaps students don't necessarily like that counselling on campus is ran and monitored by UQ and perhaps that an independent organisation fulfilling that need to a certain level uh, would be best for student outcomes. And it's things like the unfair fair and events like this that give us ideas on what to do moving forward. And that's one of the ideas I guess we have. We need implementation of an independent uh, mental health care organisation such as Headspace. Mm. So would that be, you recommend through the union or advocated through UQ to bring in independent contractors for the sake of, um, for the sake of mental health? Because obviously it's a substantial issue for those living on campus because you have record levels of poverty amongst students. Mm. Um, so mental health uh, issues would invariably be, uh, are invariably quite pertinent. Um, so would the union take, I guess, a role on that? in terms of delivering mental health care suitable, um, mental health care measures for students? Well, as it is currently, as it is currently um, mostly administered by the university and not the union, it would be the hope that the funding pool for this operation would come from not the union. It would be in negotiation with the union and a certain amount of the funds would come out of the union, but the rest would, um, the rest would come from the university. But it's a subsidised service anyway that the government supports, so most of the money would just come out of um, the regular everyday taxpayer's pocket and it would be a matter of implementing the service here and then it would be a um, sort of a bulk billing counselling service that would run free for so many sessions until you reach a peak and then you've got to pay for every ongoing session. I agree and I think that's a, a fantastic initiative and the union should actually have a role in delivering mental health care. I do realise that obviously our staff agreement prohibits us from the duplication of services, which yes. means that we can't run things that UQ runs, but us actually partnering with UQ, telling them that we have a ridiculous number of the, the, the wait period for mental health um, sessions on campus is absolutely ridiculous. Like 
us partnering with UQ and even perhaps going through independent contractors is definitely a vehicle for change and help delivering mental health care for students on campus. That's right. That's right. And that's what we're looking forward and that's what we want to do. We really want to drive an independent service on campus. Sorry, we're a little bit, a little off topic there. <laughs> I know. Going back to something you said <laughs> earlier. Oh no. I thought I lost literally. Cut Fe- this out. Feminism schemes. <laughs> Wait, what? He said feminism schemes. It was hilarious. Did I cut that out? (laughs) No, we're not cutting that out. This has to remain uncensored, okay? You're fine. Calm down. You're texting me, mum. You're texting (laughs) your mum. What's wrong? What? Anyway, sorry. Going down. Okay. Um. So yeah, we did go a little off topic. We were. Men- <laughs> we agreed <laughs> on mental health care delivery. Yeah, we. This is how council meetings should be instead of just screaming at each other. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. yes. Maybe people can like look at this. Maybe a certain group can look at this and see this healthy discourse happening. And- wow. Let's not name names. I'm not naming anything. I was very discreet. What I just. <laughs> yeah, <said>. I know. <laughs> um. Okay, so going back to last council, were there really any other standout moments that just made you go, whoa, holy shit. Like, is this actually happening? Like, anything? Um, it's, it's hard to say. Last council meeting was so long ago, and um, I believe this podcast was meant to be, was meant to be recorded such a, such a long time ago. I mean, you're taking me back at least half a month or, or more. Okay, look, I had a busy schedule. What do you expect of me? Seriously. <laughs> um, no, but I think I think Houston's got some important things that he thought took place. Um, do you? What are we specifically referring Just to? Just major events from last council that you think are notable to speak out. Oh, I do believe there was a, a couple of screaming matches which were very much unnecessary. Mm-hmm. There was a um, robust uh, debate pertaining to a UQ photography, UQ Union photography. Um, motion that uh, Ethan Jones and I put forward uh, a few council meetings ago. This was ruled out of order. And the chair and I... Could, you, a... could you name this motion again? Sorry, I, I wouldn't have been... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a consolidated motion on union um, on UQ Union Photography. It was actually repealed at the most recent council meeting um, on the grounds that it was out of order. Um, which is, again, a disagreement that I had with the chair having the motion been approved at the third council meeting and the minutes of the council meeting being approved at the fourth council meeting. Um, and it actually having some substantial ramifications because the motions that we approve at union council meetings actually directly influence the contracts. Um, also, I've heard um, I've heard that the uh, motions that we put forward at council meetings directly influence contracts because there is provisos in there for following union policy and union policies determined by union council. So that actually has quite a substantial impact. Um, in terms of uh, the motion that was put forward instead, it was put forward by Udi and Gabby, uh, two together councillors, and they put forward a different type of uh, photography motion, um, which really did point towards, it was much more, in a sense, uh, conservative, and that it was much slower policy development. We, had, we were a bit more, I guess, progressive in the sense of this policy and that we wanted to have much more... Uh, much, much, how do I say this? Much more significant policy measure, which we wanted to put forward in the third council meeting, which ended up being ruled out of order. And so I had a robust debate with the chair in the council meeting about this, where he um, um, was not too content with said robust debate. <laughs> um, but in any case, I guess the what happened happened, and so that motion was 
Um, the one that I put forward in April was then repealed and they instead put in a, a new photography motion. Cool. Um, all right. So speaking of the chair, um, do you think there should be more responsibility for those involved in council to actually, I guess, just behave in a more dignified and less hostile way to councillors? Well, I, I, can't, I can't really speak because I'm not a councillor on this, but I do think that if councillors do have an issue with how the chair is operating, then I guess they can move to dissent from the chair and put up their own chair, put up a different chair. So that, that's I, my I, philosophy. I think, I think Sam Adams is a great chair. And um, I actually, I, I, I will note that in the, oh crap, in the last <laughs> council meeting, there was, um, there was um, some controversy to do with the chair and I fully supported the chair the whole time. Um, okay, what controversy <clears> are you referring to? And what did you support? Well, you see. I do see, go on. Oh, far out, here we go. Well, um, Sam Adams, the lovely man, he had some selective words to say to a particular councillor. And me, being a man believing of freedoms, uh, uh, supported that it's okay to, to say that, uh, but many others may have objected. <clears throat> okay, I'm sorry. Like, what? He's like in a position where he should be impartial though on these situations. He's very he's... impartial. No, he's not. He isn't impartial at all. I'm sorry, but like, okay, I know. Name Sam... one example where he's not impartial. Um, all right, I can name actually a few. Uh, when a certain group, starting with S, ending with T, are basically yelling and screaming at councillors in the background, he absolutely does nothing to stop it. But I, I, he, he named names at the last council oh, meeting. Oh, hardly. I was sitting right next to them. I heard the entire thing, and it's up to the audience to try and calm them down instead of him, and it's his job. The, the chamber can get rowdy. But it's also, it's uncomfortable for the people who are sitting right there. Like, not only for the councillors, but the people around. Like, I was sitting right next to them, and it's just uncomfortable. It's not a nice experience, and I feel like... Council should be more welcoming to students who want to go instead of it being like an eco chamber of yelling I do definitely take that point that council needs to become much more Hospitable to students that are actually interested in that so normal everyday students can really come along and most students don't actually know think come along to union council meetings and put forward motions and actually hear what people have to discuss and I think that if they had been in our most recent council meeting They'd be quite disgusted that these are actually the elected union councillors um, just in terms of the way that it's acting more so like children, I, I personally think, um, in terms of just, just unnecessary yelling, etc. I do also think that the use of the chair's um, ableist slur was, um, uh, ought to be condemned, and, and it was, and he was the first to admit that he did get out of hand, and that that's, um, I guess, I guess I think most people really recognise that when you can actually you make a mistake like that, even if it is quite a substantial one, if you actually can apologise for it, I guess it you are it is somewhat respectable. And he was the yeah, first to apologise for it. He, and... he apologised immediately, he withdrew, and um, <clears throat> I think he meant by it because he very much stands for for that community, and he wouldn't intend to be ableist. Okay, but that's then that you're talking about that because then just before you said you agreed with everything he said. I did. I agree with the fact that it was withdrawn off the record. It uh, wasn't withdrawn off the record. Wasn't it? No, it's no. on the record. Sorry, council was very long ago. Yeah, okay, look, that's probably my fault. I was busy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this probably uh, would have been better if it was, like, fresher. Like, 
just happened. But you know, it like, makes things spicy now it, that we're drawing back on years ago. It was wasn't years ago. Okay, <laughs> gosh, I haven't delayed this that much. We should probably do one immediately after the council meeting. So when the council meeting ends at like eight thirty, just go in here and just. <gasps> that is actually the best idea ever. <laughs> might, been, that's it, such it, a it vibe. Might be the only way to get the socialists in here. I don't oh, think they, in here. they were meant to. Their office just down the corridor. They were invited. They were invited here. Oh, okay. um, they were offered a voice in this situation. If they choose to ignore that offer, um, so that's they were on. reached out to. Yes. Oh, good. Who exactly was reached out to? I have no idea. Do I know their names? I know like one name. Oh, so Billy did. Yeah. Oh, good. Good on him. Yeah. He's a hard worker. Yeah. Obviously, I think if I did it, I'd be chased with pitchforks or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I mean, that. if they knew you were hosting it. Oh, my gosh. I, maybe that's why they didn't come. Okay. Yeah. Because I feel like they get along with Billy. I feel like most do people they? get along with Billy. Well, yeah. Okay. No, Billy's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Always wearing footy shorts. Such a vibe. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, I copy after him sometimes. True working class bloke, you know? <laughs> um, all right. So we've covered some of the controversial bits. And obviously we can't talk about certain in-camera things. Um, and I wasn't there for that, obviously. <laughs> so I have no clue what went on. Do I really want to know? Well, no. Kind of. But I'm not going to inquire about it. No. Um, you know? All right. So... What else was notable, do you think, from last council? Because there was just so much that went on, and it's like, holy shit, how do we remember all of it? That's a great question you're asking. How do we remember all of it? Because I don't remember much. Why don't you remember much, Max? Well, you see, I suffer from this thing called council being three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I think there was quite an um, interesting <laughs> motion put up pertaining to... um. Welfare. It was one put up towards the very end of the meeting regarding the food co-op. Okay. It was, it was oh, quite a. Um, I thought it was quite a common sense motion. Natasha and I put that that motion forward, and, and the the uh, vice president of the union in charge of um, student rights and welfare. He he also spoke in favour of the motion. So I was under the the provision. I thought it would pass rather unanimously when you have both sides coming together on such a, a genuine policy where you just basically. Um, are able to remove, um, you just remove uh, expired products from the food co-op. I thought it'd be rather like common sense, give the autonomy of the food co-op to the actual person who's in charge, who has the responsibility to coordinate it. And so I think that it was rather clear, but it was quite unusual to see a few people on Rebuild Ticket end up voting against or not really sure how to vote because I think Cara was, Cara, the secretary well, was no. speaking against the motion. Mm, mm, I'm not really sure under what, rounds exactly i think she wanted to table it and have a bit more discussion on it well the thing is the thing is i think we're getting a lot of things mixed up here i think uh i think the motion's intentions weren't fully weren't fully put out i think the idea of the motion is anything that's um passed its best before let's just throw it in the bin oh the that, that was is, explicitly not in the motion though the best before said unless a quality assurance check determined otherwise that was very explicit in the motion Okay, so if things are past their expiry date, throw them out then. Is expiry date, yes. The thing is, that's already being done. Well, is in terms time? of best before date, it's not. So there's not the quality assurance checks, because as you can see on Stalker Space, you see people bringing out um, mouldy coffee and stuff like that. Like, that can be determined. That, was, that coffee was donated from St. John's College. Well, it should be checked. It should have been. Yeah, um, and that was what the motion delivered, was trying to it do. It was delivered by a catering team who, who said that it was at quality standard, and... Since that, since that case, and we've developed trust issues with uh, 
with uh, gaining resources. And now internally we have our own quality assurance checking scheme within the co-op. And I would, I would know this. I, I work the co-op from mm. time to time. Um, and I'm very aware of the quality assurance scheme that takes place. And there's a whole management scheme that goes beyond just the VP to ensure that there is regular quality assurance checks on all products delivered by the food co-op. And that's in place now. And since that, since that thing happened, since that moldy coffee event happened, there hasn't been one problem since. Because we have a thorough quality insurance uh, uh, measure in place and it gets every time we get something that's uh, perhaps past its uh, perhaps past its best before it undergoes a quality assurance test we um, we we throw a whole lot of things out that um, that are past their best before if they don't pass that quality assurance test but would I be correct in saying that that's not what Jake said when he spoke in favor of the motion that we put forward at council or not what the the person in charge of has the elected responsibility to maintain the food co-op. Mm-hmm. Um, he also he mentioned that there was not really any real quality assurance checks really performed prior to that checking. Is he unaware of those types of quality assurance checks, or are they not really being done? Well, I I, I think I think it's a matter of um, he's he's paid to work a, a part-time job, and the the food co-op operates from Monday to Friday, and there's a lot of things. His portfolio is ha- handed down to him from the presidency's office. And uh, there's definitely a lot more oversight into the co-op than, than just the VP for welfare. Because the VP for welfare has got to maintain Campus Kitchen, which runs two nights a week, has got to maintain Morning Marmalade, which runs three mornings a week, and has got to maintain the food co-op. Now, that's, that's, that's way beyond a part-time portfolio. That is, a, that is a full-time job. And I... I you could understand that there are there are many other uh, staff in place to ensure that these jobs are carried out uh, properly. And he can't be there every step of the way. He's there. He is there uh, purely to deliberate on what happens. And from there, there on, it's handed down and it's ran by the governance team under under our service business management, uh, Glenda Jacobs. And, and it's from there that the, the portfolio is maintained and upheld. And frankly, under, under Jake's portfolio, there are multiple full-time people that work under his portfolio. Mm. And he himself only works part-time. So for him to have a slip-up at council and perhaps suggest that there's not a quality assurance uh, uh, system in place was perhaps due to that. Okay, fair His enough. portfolio is probably one of the largest. Oh, it definitely is. Welfare seems to be by like one of the most substantial as you, for the reasons you've just listed. But I guess one of the most one of the aspects that the motion did also reiterate was was the importance of that portfolio really being in the VP being in charge. Like, of course, there's uh, you can have people working um, for the working with the portfolio. You know, full time workers working with it. Obviously, there's a substantial volunteer network. Correct. But it does. That motion did reiterate that the responsibility of that is with the VP, but not just the responsibility, but also that the respons- that that VP has the authority to make changes where they see fit. It doesn't they can make changes due to their specific on their specific portfolio. And that was what I think was one of the concerns that Jake had, and that wasn't really being delivered upon. So now like as the motion that we put forward, it kind of reassured that he can then determine what happens with the portfolio directly, because as it is his own department. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So did that, sorry, sorry, going back, um, I was focused on other motions of that night. Uh, did that motion pass? It did pass. So um, he is he has independent control over the, the food co-op. It's reassured, yes. Yes, yes. yes. Um, well, now that now that that is the case, I'm 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 far assured that he's aware of a lot of the um, a lot of the things in place. I haven't actually spoken him with him on the matter since that uh, that night, but I, I can assure you, as someone who uh, works in the food co-op from time to time, that matters are being definitely dealt with in a different way. And uh, yeah, there's definitely that quality assurance process. In fact, as as of recent times, we haven't even had uh, best best before products come before us. We've been uh, only selling fresh produce lately. Very good. Very good. And so, I guess, I guess I know it's still slightly a bit off the power counts, but I guess regarding the food co-op um, meeting, what are some mechanisms that you think could be implemented to, I guess, better improve the food co-op? Because obviously it's such a valuable service that can be provided for students, um, along with Morning Mumble and Campus Kitchen, of course. But what mechanisms do you think should be implemented to, I guess, better meet the needs of students from the food co-op. Well, the students that access the food co-op, uh, or the repeating, the recurring market in the food co-op, are those that are financially struggling. And there's a recurring route of customers in the food co-op. And recently we've implemented a system to, to monitor the recurring customers. Now, students that enter the food co-op have to tap their student ID to validate that they're a student, first of all, to access the services. After all, they are subsidised by the student services and amenities fee. And then afterwards, it is monitored if they are, are reoccurring. And a new thing that I guess we've started doing is if a student is, you know, significantly reoccurring, is reaching out to them, asking them, you know, you know, is everything going all right in your world, perhaps? Because a lot of students on campus are struggling and Rebuild wants to do more to help those and aid those who are really financially struggling. The food cop was originally set up to help those financially struggling and recurring customers are the ones who have shown that they are struggling. They need a voice for them. They need someone to advocate for them. And we want to do something to advocate further for them. So we're trying to implement, I guess, a referral system from the food co-op to other welfare services and help students that are struggling financially, uh, making sure they're getting their correct Centrelink quantities, making sure if they're eligible for rent assistance, they're getting rent assistance, and all these other government-supported schemes. So what are the mechanisms to develop those languages? Like, what is um, Rebuild doing in, in um, empowering the union to actually deliver those linkages services for students? Well, there's nothing solid in place empowering for that to happen. It's more or less just something we've been asked to do in co-op meetings and things like that. It's more or less if we see a recurring customer, point them into the direction of student, student advocacy and support, point them into the direction of the secretary's or the president's office, point them in those directions. There's no, there's no definite system in place because frankly, welfare isn't a definite thing. It's, it's something that's uh, very, very uh, changing and very circumstantial. And we can't put a blanket of policies over the top to, to advocate for, for all students because everyone has different needs. Okay, yeah, completely valid. Um, okay, being honest, guys, I feel like as a layperson in this situation, like someone who's just going along for the vibe, um, watching council, you know, it's kind of shocking that not selling like food when it's expired is such a controversial issue uh for so many people i thought it was like just sort of a thing that's 
common sense, you know? Well, Diane, my question for you is, have you ever accessed the food co-op? Have I ever accessed the food co-op? Yeah. Um, are you trying to call me out for being bougie or something I'm now? trying to, I'm trying to say that you haven't had the financial struggle that has encouraged uh, reaching out to those services. So perhaps you wouldn't understand that, you know, pe people, people that are struggling are, are, are willing to have something that's a day past its best before. I would go against um, presuming someone's financial um, status before particularly asking them about it. Oh, I'm just basing it. Oh, I, I mean, I guess you are bougie. I, I what do you say? So what are you basing it on then? Why do you? You think... just look classy. I oh, well, thank you. <laughs> You're Max. welcome. Um, yeah. but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you've emerged from the slums. Ah, uh, well, I'm from. So the... is that the food co-op is trying <laughs> to deliver for? Um, I mean, yeah, of course. People from the slums, Max. <laughs> no, 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 no one, no. <laughs> Gosh, no. Well, speaking of the slums, I am from Liverpool originally. Um, <laughs> so I guess there we go. I I do have um, working class blood in my veins. I just speak a bit poshly because, you know, voice training. I don't know. <laughs> Seriously, getting rid of the scally in me. For those who don't know, scally is like a British bogan. Oh, okay. Yeah, so <laughs> that's what I'm referring to. <laughs> Gosh, okay, where did we go on this topic? I feel like we've talked about so many things and I'm just trying to like wrap my head and I'm having a blonde moment. Well, I think, I think, um, you know, we've, 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 we've deliberated a lot on council and I think we've, I think, I think we've, we've definitely reached our limits for council. Hold on. No, we haven't. Okay. I have some tea I want to spill. Okay. Okay. This is just my personal annoyance. Do you guys feel like some of the motions that are brought to council um, are just so completely out of the bounds for what should be discussed in like, you know, a uni council meeting? Yeah, I, I do actually. I do actually. I think um, particularly the socialist uh, alternative. Look, I don't like to... Look, there's some good people in socialist alternative. Are there? I'm joking. No, there, there are. And I... There are. And I have a lot of respect for many of the members. I'm good friends with one of the members of Socialist Alternative, actually. Uh, he's in a lot of my science classes and things like that. No, no, no. He was on the. He was. He was on there. He was on there. He was on their ticket last year as like councillor number twenty. So I don't know. Okay. <laughs> he's he's not high in the ranks of the Socialist Alternative. Right? <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, what was I? What was I elaborating on again? How um. You find how they bring certain motions to council. Oh ah, yes, yes, of course, of course, of course. I think they bring a lot of unnecessary motions to council. Like, there's a lot of things the UQ Union doesn't have authority over and can't change, and they come from it as a point of view that you know the UQ Union can change the world. But that's not the organisation. That's not what the organisation was set up for. The UQ Union is a non-for-profit organisation serving the students at the University of Queensland. And frankly, we've got over 50,000 students to serve off limited funds. We don't have time to delve those funds into matters that don't concern students. You see, the problem is Student Action thinks all these social matters concern students, but what really concerns students is going home, uh, paying their finances, uh, having good mental health, things like that. Those are the issues that concern the everyday student, not whether the world's going to die tomorrow. 
Uh, that's something out of university politics. That is something beyond the realms of UQ Union politics, and that is something that should not be discussed in council meetings. And it also extends council time by like hours, literally, because they just keep pushing them through and pushing it. Do you want to say anything on it here? Well, I I do think that um, there is value in the sense of our council meetings in way that people can actually, anyone can come forward and anyone can put forward any motion they'd like to. I have previously spoken on some of the benefits of I guess, reducing the amount of time people can speak to on specific motions unless council were to resolve otherwise. Unfortunately, such a, um, such a uh, initiative was unsuccessful. Um, if at federal politics you have 10 minutes to speak on a certain motion, I think that we can, it's currently eight minutes, currently eight minutes in the union for a mover and eight minutes for a seconder. But if the motions are of um, I think that we can potentially reduce that as well. If you can't be really concise with your argument within eight minutes, then I don't know if you're the best at making that argument. But in any case, I do think that there is definitely value in allowing any student to put forward any motion they'd like to. I would remind those that were doing that the union is meant to be representing UQ students and entirely, not any other group of people yeah. solely focusing on UQ students. But that's not to say that benefits to benefits you can't argue, argue for um for benefits for students across Australia because I guess well UQ students are a subset of those students. So I do think there is a lot of value in allowing anyone to speak and put forward any motion at council meetings though. I I completely disagree actually. I think I think it's not about the um you the way you say it, you want to reduce the times that people can speak but they can say whatever they want. Well, you see, I think you're just um, pushing for quantity in UQ Union meetings, but not pushing for quality. If we allow them to speak for, I don't know, the eight minutes or whatever that they're currently allowed to, but they're only allowed to speak, stick to topics that are actually relevant, then I think we get a lot more done. I understand the point, but I do think that if who determines what topics is of relevance, that does seem, seem to be a, a path towards authoritarian type of union if people if where to deter- if who determines what's relevant and what isn't relevant I, I i see where you're pushing that but i, I feel like there's, there's some common sense to the relevance like the speaker themselves would be able to construct what they think is relevant and uh would be up to the chair to 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 and you'd be able to put put motions in council saying everyone saying oh it's re- it's relevant or it's not relevant i mean that's how i guess you'd action on it well you're that is i guess somewhat already in place by the fact that you can move procedural motions to immediately put certain ah, motions true. to a vote. So I guess that relevance argument is kind of met there, but I do think that, yeah, in ter- I think that that could be better utilized for some of these motions that are not of extreme topical importance to actual UQ students. Well, yeah, I guess Hugh has a point there because already there's like some people at council who just say out of order to anything they don't like. So if you give then people more power to basically question the legitimacy or the relevance of any motion, it could lead to an issue there. So I think that's like a really, really actually good point to make. Um, Also speaking on this topic as well, this is just something I noticed as well. And I don't know if you guys pick up on it. I just, I sit by the back where they are. So obviously like I hear more. Um, I've noticed also, socialist alternative bullying a lot of counselors as well about certain religious views they hold um i know they did this to one specific counselor who was going to a catholic leadership camp saying great that's going to make them even more something i forget what the word was 
Um, do you guys think that sort of criticism just goes against like the, I guess, what we should be representing as a uni with freedom of religion? Well, yeah, I do think that condemning someone for having a particular religious belief or condemning someone for going to a particular Catholic leadership camp is, is absolutely ridiculous. That should be uh, staunchly frowned upon um, by the union, independent of whatever religious beliefs they hold, whether it be Catholicism, Judaism or, or Buddhism. I agree. I 100% agree. Um, I think it's disgusting that socialists don't accept his religious views. I thought, I thought they, they're meant to stand up for, for people of all classes. They're socialists and um, they're meant to stand up for people of all those sort of um, views and religious views. And uh, it just goes to show how hypocritical they can be sometimes. Um, but I think, I think many people in socialist alternative would actually disagree with the way that that was handled by particular members in Socialist Alternative. Because I, I, know, I know that um, certain members of Socialist Alternative themselves do come from Catholic origins. So I think it's, I think it's very contradictive. I understand and I do think that we should not group an entire group of people by the actions of one or two particular people because then we'd be doing exactly what they were doing by rejecting their Catholic beliefs. Mm. Here, here. Yeah, no, definitely. But I guess when things are said so loudly um, in council and so, uh, what's the word, aggressively, um, it's hard not to develop opinions like that about what is said, um, especially as a quite a religious Christian myself, it's especially offensive hearing stuff like that and how it's just really not questioned by anyone. I do feel like the uni should be doing more to actually accommodate just seizing the feelings of religious students. I do agree, I do completely take the point. But again, I think my opinion definitely does stand in that we shouldn't group an entire group of people from one political type of orientation based on the views of a loud couple. I think, I think the union does a lot in the way of allowing um, people of certain religious backgrounds to, to, to express their views. We have many clubs and societies that revolve around many different uh, religious views. I mean, for the for the person who was it? Um, who was the guy? Sam Chamberlain. Sam Chamberlain. I mean, we have the we have the Newman Catholic Society, the oldest society on campus. I must mention that the UQ Union, of course, endorses and supports. So he is one hundred percent supported by the UQ Union and by Rebuild for ha holding those views. Uh, just because a small minority go in the council chambers goes against it, doesn't mean the UQ Union doesn't support his. Freedom to religion. Work, okay. Valid, I guess. <laughs> I completely agree. And I think it's a good testament that the union actually supports religious clubs and has historically forever. Yeah. But I do think that it's definitely good policy. Okay. I'm straight. Yeah. Um, okay, so guys, we're running out of time now. So final thoughts on last council and what do you hope the next one's like? Well, I do think the council meeting was rather abrasive and there was hints of bullying across the board. And I hope that we can, I've been pushing for a development of a code of conduct for elections and council meetings so that we can really get rid of any forms of bullying or harassment against students. I think that's a baseline. There are a fair few people, unfortunately, that are opposed to such a belief. Um, I'll be put, as, as per the previous rules committee meeting, I'll be pushing this through, trying to push something through yet again. I am trying to develop with um, rebuild some mechanisms for, I guess, to kind of work together to develop a sense of um, 
to reduce bullying in council meetings and also in the student elections. I think yeah. that's that's something that we definitely want to see improved. Um, it's just an absolute bare minimum for a $26 million not-for-profit organisation. Yeah, and um, I can't wait to, to see updates on Chanel Jiang's international students' policy. That's the biggest thing I'm looking forward to in the next UK Union Council meeting uh, because their rights are very much to, towards my heart and I, I hope the desired outcomes are reached by Chanel Jiang and the international team. Okay, beautifully said, everyone. Um, I think that covers it. Um, thank you for whoever decided to listen to this for listening. <laughs> Literally, greatly appreciated. Two viewers. Um, how did we turn it off? Let's um, click that. Wait, wait. I'm, I'm worried you'll delete the whole thing. Okay. No. Wait,